It's a time of great victory. Your past does not have to dictate your future. We are on the solid rock, Christ Jesus. God's got something better for you. This is part three in a series that we've looked at for the last three weeks titled Overcoming Unbelief. One of the things that frustrated Jesus, I think, more than anything else was unbelief. When they brought the um, young boy that was possessed and uh, Jesus looked around, he said, oh, unbelieving generation, how long am I going to stay with you? How long, you know, basically, how long do you have to put up with you, <laughs> you know? Uh, you think I'm going to be here forever is kind of what he was saying, and he was very frustrated at their unbelief. He was sleeping in a boat as they were crossing. He'd had a, a long day, exhausting day. He was asleep. He was just resting in the Lord. And a storm came up, and the disciples got all nervous, and they finally woke Jesus up, and they said, Lord, don't you care that we, if we perish? And he looked at them and said, you unbelievers. He said, ye of little faith. You know, he says, have faith in God. You know, he, and he got up, and he was frustrated. He spoke to the wind and the wave, and, and it just ceased. And they looked. They were just amazed. Like, who is this man? Well, he's been trying to tell them who he was. He's the son of God. And he was trying to express to them, too, that, that uh, the, the, the same, in fact, the Bible says the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us. And so the same spirit that was anointing Jesus and enabling him to do what he was doing is present with us. Jesus told us that when he went away. And he said, greater things than these shall you do. What we need to do is just believe, believe. In John chapter 20, verse 31, we've taken this verse as a text, and John is summing up the writings of his book, and he says, but these are written that you may believe. All the stuff that was written down, he said, all this, this is written that you may believe. And then he says, and, uh, he says that, you believe, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the one sent. He says, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Not just any kind of life, but life, the Zoe, the life of God, the life that is uh, above all things, the life that uh, is without bounds, the life that is without limitations, the life that is, lives on and on and on but not just for eternity. It's not just a spiritual 401k. It's a present reality that we can experience every day uh, if we will believe in Jesus, as he says, and, and by believing you may have life. The last couple of weeks, uh, we've looked at this. The first week, uh, part one, we looked at this thing called life, this abundant life, this Zoe, and we saw the, that, um, uh, you know, what it meant. And then also we took a look at at believing and the, the relevance of, of believing. And we took a little look also at unbelief and what it did. It, um, it frustrated Jesus. Uh, he marveled at their unbelief. He just, you know, in other words, it's like we would say he couldn't believe that they couldn't believe. <laughs> I mean, it was just uh, amazing to him. And um, he identified their unbelief in that story that I shared just a while ago in Mark chapter 9, verse 20, when they brought the, the young boy to, to Jesus. In fact, he said, you know, bring him to me. Um, and so it says when, that they, when they brought him to Jesus, that the Spirit saw Jesus, and um, immediately it said it threw the, body, uh, the, the boy in, into a convulsion. And, um, and so verse 21, uh, uh, well, Jesus begins this conversation with, with the father, and he said, how long has he been like this? And he said, well, since birth, and and here the boy is, is convulsing, and the, this demon is, is, you know, doing all this thing. And, and so um, 
the, the father we see there goes on and he says, but, you know, if you can do anything, you know, like that, there's an if there, not because you can do anything, but he said, if you can do anything, take pity on us. And so it's, isn't it amazing how that in our request to the Lord that we limit God? If you can do anything, just give us a little bit of pity. I mean, out of everything that we could ask for God, what is it that you want? Is that all you want is just some pity? And Jesus is standing there like, unbelieving generation, if. And that's why he kind of re- he repeated the, the question back, if you can? Like, seriously? Uh, you know, you've seen all the things that, 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 uh, that I've done or that the Father's done through me, basically is what he's thinking. You've seen the miracles that I've done. You know, at least believe in the miracles that have been done. He says, if you can. He says, all things are possible to him that believes. All things are possible to him that believes. And you're looking to me. Yeah, I can do it. But wait a minute. Here's something that's even better. He says, it's like he was saying at the beginning, how long am I going to be with you? Don't keep looking at me to do all this. You know, if you believe, all things are possible to him that believes. Wow. Jesus was like, don't just put all your dependence upon what I'm doing here and now because, you know, one day I'm going away. And he told his disciples, I'm going away, but I'm going to pray. And the Father's going to send the counselor, the one that will guide you into all truth. And he, again, he's trying to point them to say, you know, what the Father did in me, he can do in you. If, he looks at the Father, if you can, all things are possible to him that believes. And the, the man makes a statement that we kind of belittle him and People look down upon him, but it is so true. It reveals to us exactly the condition that we are. He says, I do believe, but help my unbelief. Or he says in the NIV, help me overcome my unbelief. And that's why we've titled this series that, Overcoming Unbelief. I do believe. You see, every person in this room, if you're a child of God, you believe in God the Father. You believe that Jesus is his son. He's the Messiah, the one sent. You believe in what, that his word is true. We believe that God can. He can do all things. We believe that God can do all things. But there's a part of us that questions whether or not he will. Will he do it for me? Will he do it now? I believe you can, but help me overcome my unbelief. That part of me that says, I know you can, but I don't know if you will. I know you're able, but I just don't know if you're willing to do it right now. That's that part of us that between belief and unbelief is that uncertainty that we struggle with in everything that we request. And that's where we've got to get over that. Until we overcome that particular area in our life, we're going to be living way below our privileges as a child of God. Y'all, I don't, y'all getting this today? Are you hearing this today? Would you agree with that? Isn't that the struggle that we go through? Because I believe. I believe. I believe, but there's a part of me that's like, will you? I know you can, God. I know you're able. Will you do it now? Oh, Lord, help us. That's so tough. It's a struggle. So we've got to get past that to to the point of like, I know you can. I know you will. Do it, Lord. I believe. That's where we need to be. Wow. And so that's what the Father was saying. I believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. 
So we've looked at this. We've tried to unpack it, to break it down, to take a look at this thing called unbelief and to try to figure out now how do we overcome this? Well, it starts out that um, we've got to realize that what you believe is real to you whether it's true or not, that you're going to believe something. And that's why we've got to be careful here about our believing because there's a part of us, the way we're designed, we're designed to believe. So we're going to believe something. The problem is whether or not it's right or wrong. That's why Jesus was always saying, I'm telling you the truth. Believe the truth. I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. You know, believe me. Believe in me. And so that's where we have to get to that point because we're going to believe in something. Either you're going to believe, and that's the part of unbelief is really believing in something. It's believing that it might not happen. You're believing that it might not happen. See what I'm saying? So everybody believes something. It's just whether or not we believe right. And so we've got to get that part of our believing to be aligned with God, aligned with His Word, and aligned with what the Spirit of God is doing now. In Proverbs 23, verse 7, it says, As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. In our, in our spirit, what you're thinking, what you're, and those thoughts become beliefs. We entertain those thoughts enough that they become what we begin to dwell upon and it influences our believing. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Wow, we've got to get our stinking thinking right. I, I jotted down a little statement here. See if you agree or disagree with this. We act in harmony with the mental portrait that we have of ourselves or the circumstances around us. We act in harmony with the mental portrait that we have of ourselves or the circumstances around us. We see certain things, so then we align and we act then accordingly to what we're seeing. Or we have a certain mental portrait of ourselves, of who we really believe that we are, who we think that we are, who we believe that we are, and what we begin to think about ourselves then really determines how we're going to act what we're going to do, how we're going to approach the world. Would you agree with that? So we've got to get it changed. That's why that Jesus, that's why the Apostle Paul, when he writes, he says, and he begins to try to tell us, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You've got to get a new portrait of who you are. Who are you? Well, you know, and then here come all these thoughts, maybe who you've been told that you are or who you thought who you might think that you are, who Satan would like for you to think that you are. And the more that we think about those things, dwell upon those things, that then we begin to act in harmony with who we see ourselves or who we think we are or really in a sense of who we believe that we are. And if we're believing that, maybe then in a sense that's unbelief because we're not believing who Christ says, oh, I don't know. I don't know if anybody's getting this or not, but see, who does God say that you are? Who are you going to believe? You're going to believe what you think, maybe because of how you've been influenced by something? Or are you going to believe what God says about you? You're a child of God. You are the head and not the tail. You're above and not beneath. You are an overcomer. Well, then if you're an overcomer, how then do you respond to circumstances in life? Do you allow those things to overcome you or do you overcome them? You see how this thing ought to work in our life? Every day in our life? See, a, a terrorist believes that he'll have a better life, he'll have a better eternity. If he flies an airplane into one of the Twin Towers, he'll have this great reward for all eternity. 
So he believes that. So what does he do? Flies the airplane into the Twin Towers and kills infidels, according to their belief. That's anybody that doesn't believe in Islam. So he kills all these infidels. So he acts in accordance with his beliefs, right? I mean, he's serious about them. Now then, so what he did, that's true. He, he believed that. He did it. That was true. But yet, what about the part about he's going to spend eternity now? He has a heaven prepared for him because he did all this. Not according to what I believe. Just as he burnt in that fire that was created in the Twin Tower, I believe he's burning in hell right now. That's what I believe. Y'all are looking at me awful strange up here. I'm just telling you what I believe because that's what the Word of God says, right? He's not acting in accordance with the truth. Now, he acted in accordance with what he believed, right? And so he did what he believed was right. But was it right? Some people say, well, you know, it really doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. You've heard that, right? It really doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. Well, he was sincere, I mean, all those terrorists were sincere that day. They were, but they were sincerely wrong. <laughs> it, it was a very sincere thing that they did according to their beliefs. ISIS today is very s- sincere in what they're doing. They're even killing Muslims that aren't uh, as volatile as the, in their thinking as what they are because, you know, they think every Muslim ought to just kill infidels because Muhammad said that, you know, you, that's what you need to do. So that's what they're doing, Rad, radical Islam. Um, so what a person believes affects their life, it affects the lives of people around us. You know, we have people counting on us to believe right. There's people that, that uh, I believe God wants to place in our pathway that we need to believe God. And when we're walking in belief and we're walking in faith and walking in, under the anointing of the Lord, that people's lives are going to change because of our walk with the Lord. Another statement is that the, the depth of our belief is the basis of our convictions. The depth of our belief is the basis of our, of our convictions. You see, a, a conviction is an unshakable belief in something. You're convicted. Uh, it's an unshakable belief. A preference is a greater liking for one thing over another. You see that same terrace? No, I, mean, I, like a good, I like a pork chop. I like a good pork chop. Uh, I like a steak, but I like a filet mignon really well. I like that. I, some people like, you know, more fat in their meat. I, I like a filet, and I like it cooked. But, hey, if that's not a bit, I'll eat a pork chop. No big deal. I prefer the steak, but I will have a pork chop. Now, that terrorist, on the other hand, he's convicted. He won't eat a pork chop because of his convictions. And because of his religion, he won't eat that pork chop. So you see the difference? I prefer to have the steak, but if a pork chop's all is there, I'll, take, I'll eat what's put before me. And I like it. Wrap some bacon on around it, I'll have it. <laughs> you know, in fact, put some bacon around my filet, I'll eat that too, you know. Put bacon in anything. They're making ice cream with bacon in it. I, you know, hey. But I prefer to have the steak, but I'll, you know, I'll have a pork chop. But you see the difference in a conviction and a preference? Well, see, what happens is in our walk with the Lord, sometimes we walk out of preferences rather than out of our convictions. It's sad that, some unbelievers, their convictions are stronger than what our convictions are. 
You know, my parents, when I was growing up, they believed that we needed to be in church. They believed the scripture that said, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, and so much the more when you see that day approaching. And they saw that day approaching. And, and so if we were sick, they said, well, then we first sure need to get to church so that we can have, you know, have everybody pray for you so you get better. And we did. That's, I, I didn't grow up with Blue Cross and Blue Shield. I grew up with the cross and the shield of faith. <laughs> my, my parents just prayed for me, you know. And praise God. My mom says that when all my sisters had mumps, uh, I was real young, and she said, I just ran a little fever, and never really, that was it. That same thing with measles, chicken pox. They just prayed over me because I was real little, so they just prayed over me. Maybe I ran a little light fever, and that was it. I've been all around it. Everybody's had it. I said, well, I don't really think I ever had it, but they prayed for me that I wouldn't get it, and I still hadn't got it. We've been walked through the hospitals in Africa that are bad, right, Sam, Sandy? <laughs> They're bad and, and all kinds of diseases and stuff like that. I've been around all kinds of diseases, walked right in the midst of it, never got it. Praise God. Amen. You know, because they believed. Um, so, you know, there's a conviction. They had a conviction there that that's what they would do. And because of, based upon their convictions, that was where their beliefs were. But I think somehow or another, our faith has become more of a preference-oriented faith. You know, in fact, Oprah made this statement a few years back when all this stuff was going on, and she was bringing out various different writers and stuff about, um, about faith, about belief. And she said, God is a feeling experience, not a believing experience. That's what she said, quote, God is a feeling experience not a believing experience. And then goes on to say that, you know, so in other words, it's, a, it's based upon feeling, not upon belief. Hmm. I jotted underneath that. What we believe and totally trust to be true sets up the alignment for which we receive that particular version of reality. That's going to be our reality. What we believe, what we trust to be true, that sets up our version of reality. So if we don't really believe that God's not a believing, it's just a feeling. So, you know, I think I feel God over here in this tree. Yeah, I just, oh, yes. I, I, feel, I feel something in this tree. Oh, this is a beautiful meadow with all the flowers. I feel something. It must be God because I feel good, you know. When you feel bad, what is it? Oh, God, that's not God, you know. Well, you know, our beliefs ought to affect our feeling, but it's not based upon feelings. It's based upon our belief. It's based upon an unshakable truth, an unshakable persuasion that that is true. That's fact, that we believe it, not based upon the circumstances around us or upon some feeling around us. You know, it's important people to believe right. I think that we've kind of, Satan's trying to bring in this lie that it's really not that important what you believe. Again, just as long as it's sincere. It's not really important what God you believe as long as you're believing something. Excuse me? How important is it? How important is our believing? It's going to affect our eternity. Absolutely right. What you believe determines where you're going to spend eternity. That's your reality. What you believe becomes your present reality and your future reality. Amen? So how do we overcome this unbelief? As the man said, I believe, but 
Help me overcome my unbelief. How do we bring it down to where that's what we believe and, and what we believe is what we do. In him we live and move and have our being. That's where I want to be. That's where I want to be. So how do we do it? Well, if you're going to affect change on anything, you've got to affect knowledge, attitude, and behavior. See, before you're ever going to get a behavioral response, you've got to change your attitude. Before you get an attitude change, you've got to affect your knowledge. So see, it's what people hear, what they begin to be, what they think they know affects then what they believe. And what they believe is what they end up doing, what they end up living. So what are you listening to? What are you hearing? What do you know? We ought to know him. Jesus said in, in John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32, he said that uh, to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teachings, if you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. If you hold to my teachings, in other words, if you have a conviction that my teachings are true and you hold to them without, sway, uh, uh, without swaying or, or wavering, if you hold to my teachings, that's a conviction right there. If you hold to my teachings, if, you're, if your convictions line up with what I teach, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. But you won't really know it until you, until you believe it. Hold to my teachings. Believe in my teachings is what he's saying. If your conviction uh, is what, what my teachings bring and you adopt them as a belief, as a conviction, then you're going to have an unshakable belief that no matter what happens, it's unshakable. That's why we experience trials of so many kinds to try to shake our belief. Satan brings all these trials. The trial of our faith works patience as well. So it's a trial of our faith, and it's a trial of what we believe to see if he can shake us from what we believe. But really what it ought to do is to, make, to shake out the dross and make it more firm in him. Right. Is it making sense? Y'all getting this today? Unshakable belief. If you hold to my teachings, if you adopt my teachings and you have an unshakable belief in my teachings, then you will know the truth. You will be absolutely sure, positive then of my word, of the truth, and then the truth will set you free. What do you need to be set free from today? You have anything in your life that you need to be set free from? Could be a habit, a hang up, could be a fear, could be some doubt. It could be uh, an illness. It could be something. That, you, you see what I'm saying? Is there anything that you need to be set free from today? Know the truth. Know the truth. Believe the truth. A while ago when we were receiving communion and we took the bread in it and he says, this is my body broken for you. We know that he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities and by his stripes we're healed. Do we hold to that? Is that an unshakable belief that that is true? By his stripes I'm healed. By his, what he did 2,000 years ago provides healing for me today. That's why Peter said by his stripes we were healed. I was healed back there. Now I just need to bring it into my present reality. How do I get something into my present reality? By believing. I wish I had somebody to preach to today. <laughs> I wish somebody just jump on this and get excited about this today. You see, I, my, if I want to change my present reality, I've got to change my believing. Because if I believe that I'm going to, that this is a horrible day, 
everything's going wrong, you know? And then I'm just going to begin to adopt that and begin to accept that. And then it's like, then everything I see seems like it's going wrong. Everything has to be a project. I've said that before. You know, something happens, and then I go to do that, and then something else breaks, and then I just start to get frustrated. And then my attitude gets to be like, you know, this is ridiculous, and everything's got to be a major project. And then it's like everything I look at, everything that happens, it just gets worse. And I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. What's happening? It's what I believe. It's what I confess. It's what I declared, right? So, okay, everything's going to be a project. So I prophesied my future. I don't know about you, I've tried this before. So then I decided, okay, I'm going to have an awesome day today. Anything breaks, it will be fixed in Jesus' name. If I don't know how to handle it, God will give me wisdom how to take care of it. Any little thing that comes up is going to be an opportunity for a miracle from God. And then those things that start to break, they become an exciting opportunity to see God work. And it's like, wow, that's amazing. I've never done that before. I never even knew how to do that before, but... Wow, I got that done. Isn't that cool? Look how God supplied that. That's pretty neat. You know, look at this. And it's like, whether it's, it's something that requires finances, all of a sudden you find finances to take care of it. And it's, it's a whole different thing. What's happened here? Something's happened in my thinking. Something's happened in what I believe, what I, how I begin to address my situation. And my reality changes and things get changed. Jesus said, this is the work of God to believe that he's the son. That's the work, work. Work is, you know, exerting force on something for molecular change. You exert force and something changes, right? Oh, no, some of y'all don't even know what work is. (laughs) (laughs) Exerting force, (laughs) putting forth an effort, right? You exert force. That's why when you come home from work, you're... You're tired. Why? Because you've been putting forth an effort to change things. It's like you say, why does everything always have to be, you know, I, I have to change because that's what, you, that's what work is, you know, and you change stuff. We're changers, right? We change what is there. And so in our believing, this is what it, not only is it like right here, but it begins, begins to be into the, the domain of the spiritual realm and that we begin to experience this life this abundant life, the power of God, this Zoe of who we are. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm a child of God. You know, so things change. And not only things in the natural realm, but things in the spiritual realm. Wow. It's important that we believe. It's important to overcome our unbelief. And we have to do that through our knowledge. What do you know? What do you know about God? What do you know about His Word? If you you shall know the truth. He said, if you hold to my teachings, if you are um, unshakable in your belief of what I teach, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Believing, remember I gave you the definition is accepting uh, that something is true. Believing is accepting that something is true. But the word accepting is an action. If you accept something, it it, it means that you are agreeing to receive it, right? You're agreeing to receive that thing. You're accepting. If I was going to give you something, Tim, you'd have to say, "Uh uh-uh, I didn't take nothing from you, right? If you then agreed not to receive it, you'd say, I'm not accepting that. I'm not receiving that. In fact, that's what we ought to do when the devil tries to bring something to us for us to receive, to believe in. 
to accept as true, we say, I'm not receiving that, right? But I will receive the truth. So I'm agreeing to receive something, agreeing. So that's why then when, if Daryl and I believe the same thing, we're in agreement, right? So if we agree, if any two agree, that's what Jesus, if any two agree as touching this, any one thing, then you'll have what you ask for in my name. That's what he said. So you'll lock your agreement together. Now, if I'm believing, you know, Old Testament said one can put a thousand flight, two can put ten thousand flight. Look at the multiplication then in the agreement of believing. It's a tenfold increase. Agreement. What if we all believe the same thing? We set our minds to believe the same thing. Let me tell you what happened in the early church. They were all joined together in one place where they were, and they were all in agreement. And it says, and where they were assembled, the place was shaken where they were assembled. Wow, that's what agreement can, that's what believing can do. It can shake the very foundations of of this building. It shakes the very foundations of hell. The gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Go ahead and praise him this morning. (laughs) But we have to choose to do that. It's a choice. But we we don't want the choice. You're right, right? Like that one movie, you can't handle the truth. <laughs> you know, we don't want the choice. We want God to do it, and that way he does it. I, don't, I just get to enjoy it. Sorry, we have to do it. We have to choose to believe. We have to agree to receive those things. Now, doing that, that between agreeing to receive it and believing that God can do it, but knowing that he will do it is where we have to believe We believe, but yet here's unbelief. So we have to agree to receive it and make it a present reality. So in that whole process, we have to choose. And you got a choice like, really? Hmm, I don't know. And here we start to base our choice upon experience, upon our senses, what we see, what we hear, what we smell, right? All these things go in and they have an effect on what we decide to choose. Are you following me this morning? And so based upon our experience, then that affects our choice. And we say, well, I have no other choice but then to accept this because I know based upon history, based upon fact, based upon reality as we see it and we perceive it, this then we accept this. But wait a minute. That's just what we see in the natural realm. Isn't the supernatural above that? So if I agree over here to receive this, that means that the supernatural is going to change the natural. That's the work of God, exerting a force, producing a molecular change. I've got to exert a force, and the force that I exert is choosing to receive, choosing to believe. It, it, takes, a, it takes an effort, an effort in the spiritual realm that says, I'm going to believe that. I refuse to accept this as my reality. I choose to accept God's word, his truth as my reality. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19, Moses said, This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life. Here's this abundant, this, this life as God has it, life and death. Blessing and curses. Now, choose life that you and your children may live. Now, Moses put it out there, but what do they have to do? Well, but I just don't know. I see it there, but I don't know if that's for us. I mean, look, you know, and here we go. We bring all this stuff in, and, and I've always been told that I couldn't do that. 
So you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. You're not in your own effort. You need more different ability. He can give a different ability, right? What is, so it's your choice. You have to choose to believe. In Joshua chapter 24, verse 15, Joshua then told him, he says, then choose for yourself, choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods of your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Ammonites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He says, we're choosing to serve the Lord. It's, you have to choose. That's why that in the book of Revelation, when you hear, he says, uh, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. And all down to then he says, I know your deeds. I know what you're doing. I know your behavior. I know what you're choosing. I know what you are choosing to do. Now then, he says, and he, he presents to them what they need to do. Repent, overcome these things, and change your choice, and do this. He says, and then you're going to have, you'll have life. You'll have, you'll overcome these things. You'll be an overcomer. John, remember from our text there in chapter 20 of John, verse 31, he says, and that you, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Choose. Are you going to choose that or not? Well, yeah, that's what I want. That's, I, that's exciting. I know God has that, but here we go. But will he do it for me? Uh-oh. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. We, we believe that you have life and life to the full. It means without bounds, unlimited life. So do we accept it? Is it a reality or not? People, if we're going to choose part of it, we've got to choose all of it, right? You can't just take in, in, in this book and take a little, some things out and, and edit it out. That's what Thomas Jefferson did. Did you know that they found in some of his stuff later on, they found a Bible and he had cut out some things and he pasted in some things. I'm glad he was a great hero in America, but, I mean, if we really knew him, I mean, he had a lot of problems, you know. He, he, had, some, he had some problems. And it was in, by some of the things that he believed. If you look at I'm not going to go into Thomas Jefferson's life today, but, I mean, if you know anything about history, you know he had some problems. And so I go back and say, well, one of the major problems was his foundation of what he believed. You know, thank goodness that he believed. As a founding father, he had some beliefs about government and some things to help establish this country. But in his own personal life, he took and cut some things out and pasted some things in. Wow. How'd that work out for you, Tom? <laughs> Didn't work out too good. You can't do that. You got to accept the truth. You, you will hold to my teachings, Jesus said. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You're responsible for what you believe. And one day we have to give an account for what we believe. Pastor, you could have said anything, but don't tell me that. Now I feel bad. I, I want to believe this, but yet I'm having a difficulty. Now you tell me I'm going to be held accountable for what I believe in what I don't. Yes, that's true. That's why we're given the opportunity right now to change those things. You know, whose report will you believe? <laughs> you know, will you believe his teachings and what he said? By believing, you take responsibility of your own life. No, we don't want responsibility for our own life. We want to blame somebody else, right? I mean, I don't want responsibility. for. I want to say, no, it's because that or it's because of that situation, that circumstance. That circumstance changed me. That's why I can't. See, I want to be. So I create a reality that I believe in with excuses. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> Y'all never done that, I'm sure. Right? I could have been all state if it hadn't been for Lester who tripped me up in the race, you know, or whatever. I could have been, you know, I, I could have went on and, and had a scholarship if I'd have just had a decent quarterback to throw me, you know, a good pass. I could have done this if, if I hadn't, you know, had to jump up so high for that pass and they hit me in the knee. Those things happened to me, you know. You know, I was, it's like, so we, what, we're going to blame somebody else? Maybe I wasn't supposed to do that. I, I wasn't supposed to do that. I, God had other things for me. But that, you know, my goodness, we want to blame somebody else. Let's take responsibility for our own life. But by doing that, then, wow, that's, that's pretty humbling, isn't it? What does the Bible say about a humble and contrite spirit? <laughs> you know, that's how we really get before him. And when we honestly take an open look at ourselves and then we just get rid of all those excuses and we get rid of all those things and we take responsibility for who we are and we come before Almighty God and we choose to believe in him and the things that we can't, now we can in him. Not, be, not because of who I am or who, or, or who I'm not or because of somebody else or some, whatever, all these circumstances, but who God is. That's the basis of who I am. So we need to take an honest and open look at ourselves and believe those things, understand them, accept them to be real. Now come before God and accept him to be real and his strength to be my strength, his power to be my power. Oh, I wish somebody was getting this today. <laughs> you see, then we can come out of those things. And then who do we give thanks to? We give it to God. He's the one that helps us, not ourselves. Hmm. A Greek philosopher. His name was uh, Epictetus, and he's made a, a few statements. One, he said, it's not what happens to you, but how you react to it that matters. And see, what we believe is going to determine how we react or respond to the things that happen to us. When it happens to us, then wait a minute, are we going to happen to it? <laughs> are we going to, you know, if, if Satan hits us with something, do we respond with the power of God and say, get thee behind me, Satan, or, you know, uh, you know water part, giant fall, uh, mountain move, you see? It's not necessarily what happens to us, but it's how we react or respond to those things that really counts. He also said, men are disturbed not by things, but by the view which they take of them. It's not so much the things, but it's the view. Remember when David came up and he saw the giant. Everybody was so afraid of Goliath. And they were saying, oh, Goliath, this champion, you know, and who's going to find? There's no one in Saul's army that can take on Goliath. There's no one in Saul's army. And, and David comes up and says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that comes against the army of God? Not Saul's army, but the army of God. And so in God's army, he will strengthen anybody to take on this giant. See, it's not so much of, of the things that come, but it's how you view the things that come. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. All those that rise up against me shall fall. When you're doing his will, his way, nothing can stop you. We got to believe that. And then when things start to happen, don't start whining. <laughs> when we were in Tulsa, Oklahoma, the Mecca, <laughs> the buckle on the Bible belt, Rhema Bible Institute's there also. We had a lot of Rhema students in our church, and 
they get all fired up. I mean, you know, you're sitting in teaching all day long with the Word and about faith and, and all this stuff, so you get pretty pumped up. And uh, so, but what I got to notice, and we took some on a missions trip to Mexico, and, you know, things, when you start to invade Satan's territory and where he, things that he's held, he doesn't like that. He fights back. But when he fights back, you just have to put him in his place. You rebuke him, and you, you go on. What I noticed was some of these people that were full of faith, their faith, they weren't so full of faith <laughs> when they got confronted by certain situations and circumstances. I'm like, whoa, where's all that faith you had? Oh, but look at this. I'm, I'm not looking at that. I'm looking at God. I know what God can do in the midst of those things. You know, so, boy, we can talk a big talk when we come out. But, and see, we get faith comes by hearing and hearing from the Word. That's good. But now then, the trial of your faith works patience. And when that faith, faith is not faith until it's tested. And I would say faith works when you work your faith. And so you can hear it, but, you know, when you actually apply it, that's where the believing and the expecting comes in. Faith is the substance. It's the essence of things hoped for expected. It's the evidence of things not seen. Okay, now I have that. I accept that. I have that mental picture. I've changed my mental picture. That's good. But now then, how good is it? It has to now affect my walk. It has to affect my talk. It has to affect everything that I do. And so when I bring that faith now into this realm, it, it takes hope. It takes that expectation. But along with that, it takes believing, which is unshakable expectation, unshakable trust in God that what he spoke, that's the essence. By faith, I receive it. That's all I need is what he spoke. But now when I bring it into reality, it's what I believe. So those things go together. To lock together, believing is like the activator that, that is, is applied to epoxy to, to make a, the ingredients become solid and locked together to something. So a lot of people say, I have faith, I believe, I have faith, but help my unbelief <laughs> of what, where I'm being shaken over here. I see my son being thrown around, tossed from, from, from birth. So yes, I have faith. Faith, I believe that you can, that you're the very essence of what is necessary. I just have a hard time seeing it happen over here for my son because I've seen what's happened all his life. I know none of y'all ever had that problem. And see, that's why we got to lock it together with our believing. So you got to change your knowledge of what you know. What do you know? You know that he is the... King of kings and the Lord of lords. Do you know that he's your provider? Do you know that he's your healer? Do you know that he's your shepherd that will lead and guide you? Yea, though I walk in the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Do you believe that? So when you're in the, the valley of the shadow of death, don't start complaining about being there. Start believing that it has to change. Oh, I wish somebody would help me preach this this morning. Because we want to complain about what things happen instead of believing that he's going to change those things. Wow. I would never know how great God is if I hadn't seen him change things in front of me. Wow. Did that just happen? Yes, it happened. Wow. That's amazing. Why? Because you believed.
Philippians chapter 2 says, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Change your knowledge, now change your attitude. So we know who he is, so then that ought to affect your attitude. See, if you really know something, you have confidence, right? It's going to happen. You're going to walk like it's going to happen. You want some of this? (laughs) What's up, devil? You know, you don't... I know there's a devil around here somewhere. <laughs> Sandy and I started getting excited about the Lord, and I was uh, really starting to get more involved in church, and the Lord was really calling me into singing ministry. And so, man, I'm studying the Word. You know, I'm working for Rock Island Railroad, and I'm working as a control tower operator, and then sometimes on the extra board as they call you to work when somebody else doesn't want to work, then you got to go work their job too, you know, if you're the lowest on the board, which I was. And so um, sometimes I have to go out in these, what they call the, the rip tracks, where they bring these cars in and they park them where they have to repair them. They've been wrecked and stuff like that. I'm talking about huge box cars and stuff. And man, the devil was like, he was, he didn't want me to believe. You know, I was beginning to believe, hey, God's got a call on my life. You got something for me. And I got excited. I started to read the Word. I was getting excited, and I started to have faith and believing. And so I'm walking out through these, what they call the rip tracks, where they rip all the stuff apart and fix them back. And I'm walking, and, and it's like, you know, you start to get that feeling that somebody else is around somewhere. Y'all know, y'all know what I'm talking about? Anybody ever been afraid before? So I'm like, I mean, and this is a spooky place anyway. I mean, it's pretty dark out in the middle of nowhere, wrecked boxcars, and, and there, were, there are rats and snakes and stuff around because of the grain cars and stuff like that, you know, so that's bad enough. But then you begin to sense a, a different type of presence. And I was new enough to know that it was, it was Satan. And I knew that, and I'm like, ooh. And so I'm like, okay, you know, so I start to pray, and I'm thinking, okay, what do I need to do here? And I'm praying, and about that time, this door on this box car comes crashing over, and I'm like, and man, I mean, I'm, I am running for the truck, man. I'm like diving in the window. I'm like, and I'm out of there like, man, I don't know what I'm going to do. Not, not, so this fear is still working in me. And so, you know, there's several things that happen, and to try to, really to try to take my life, literally to try to take my life. And so, um, those are in the back of my mind, but over here, I'm, I'm believing. I'm trying to believe, but I'm thinking, yeah, I'm, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> I'm going to kill you. I get the job, I'm going to kill you. My mom always told me stories about even before I was born, uh, she, they were all in this Studebaker car going down a mountain, and all of a sudden, the steering went out, and they rolled the, this car down the mountain. And, and she said that the doctor said couldn't believe that, you know, again, she was pregnant with me, that, that she didn't lose me, you know, and rolled down that mountain over and over. And nothing, nothing wrong with me, wrong with me, wrong with me. <laughs> but anyway, but that was once, before I was even born, <laughs> before I was even born, she said that, that the devil tried to kill me, and then... She reminded me of times through my life. I thought, thanks a lot, Mom. <laughs> You're really building a lot of confidence here, how the devil tried to kill me. And then I look back and I see various times, you know, about that. And so all this stuff is catching up with me now, you know. And so, I mean, one part of me, I'm believing and God's beginning to reveal to me what I'm supposed to do and, and all this stuff. And on the other hand, Satan's like, yeah, well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. 
And you know, it's like one day I remember we had this little townhouse in Topeka, Kansas, and I was upstairs. I was sitting at the desk and I was studying. I was reading. And, he, and, and the word came out that I've given you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and all the power of the evil one. And I, I had had enough. I stood up. I slapped that Bible. And I said, devil in the name of Jesus. I take authority over you. I am tired of you messing with me. I have authority over you. And I believed it. And when I believed it, things changed. And I've never been the same. I've never been the same. I'm not afraid of him. And let me tell you, we faced him in a lot of nations. I didn't know then that God would send us to nations to preach, to dark places where Satan rules and has his, really has his throne. When we were in India, you, 300 million gods, you talk about tangible feeling of, of demonic oppression. And we walked in the midst of those things and proclaimed that Jesus Christ will rule and reign here. Tear down the strongholds of the enemy. I want to tell you something. <laughs> God has called us into certain areas, and that has, I've never forgotten that. I don't have a fear over the devil anymore. But it was until I believed that, it changed my attitude. And instead of like walking like, okay, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I mean, it's now like, yeah. Yes, Jesus is here. He's with me, you know. In him I live and have my being. How dare you? Who do you think you are, Satan? If you're going to uh, rebuke him and take authority over him or demonic spirits, you better have the attitude that you know in whom you believe. <laughs> and he's able. I see that one guy that saw Paul and them rebuking demons thought, hey, that's a pretty good deal. I could probably, you know, I might work something out with that. So he says, in the name of Jesus that Paul preaches, come out. <laughs> It said those demons came out and beat them up. It said the demons come out and said, Paul, we know, Jesus, we know. Who are you? <laughs> you see, there's a difference. He didn't believe. Hmm. <laughs> you got to have a change in your attitude. Change in your knowledge, change in your attitude. Let this same mind of being that's in Christ be in you. Let this same attitude that's in Christ be in you. What kind of attitude do you have? Do you know who you are in Christ? When challenges come against you, do you fall? Do you faint before them in fear? What about with your finances? Do you know who your provider is? Are you obeying his word? Are you giving? He says, given it shall be given. Well, then when you do that, then when, a, when it looks like that there's a need, you don't have to worry about it. Lord, I thank you for your need. We've seen miracles in our life. When we thought we couldn't afford to give, we gave. And then when we needed, God provided. One time Sandy was going through the, the grocery store. Man, I mean, this was, you know, we didn't go into ministry for money. I mean, we left money. We left good money to go into ministry. I, worked, I was working as a control tower operator, and then with overtime and making really good money, Sandy worked for engineering department. That's why we didn't have any kids for three years. We just worked, worked, worked all the time, money. But we went into ministry, and then there were some times when there wasn't any money, and so Sandy was buying groceries and stuff, and so got up there and thought, hmm, okay, trying to figure out how much she had. And so she said, well, I better put that back, that meat, that roast. And so as she was putting it back, she felt something underneath it, and she turned it over. There was a cool 20 <laughs> stuck to that cold steak, you know, things like that. Times of when I was off uh, in ministry traveling, and uh, we got our electric bill. And it was like $400, and this was in like 1978 or something like that. And so she said, 
So I don't know what we're going to do. And I said, well, we'll just believe God. So I remember hanging up. I was in a little town called Depew, Oklahoma. Depew, Oklahoma. I'm not going to say anything else because this is being recorded. But I remember saying, now, God, <clears throat> when I worked for this company, they supplied my needs. You know, I, I got a paycheck. So here's a need. I believe you're going to take care of it. I don't know how you're going to do it, but I'm trusting you. And I, and I believe that. I, I just didn't let it bother me. So when we got, got back home or something, I said, so what's up with the electric bill? We got this thing in, and it said that they came to check the meter, and then something had happened. I don't even know exactly what it was, but they weren't going to try to adjust it. or what. They just said, we're just going to forgive the whole thing. Now, electric companies don't do that. They make adjustments. They'll do this or try to figure something out from what the meter says. But anyway, somehow they just said, you know what? We're just going to forget the whole thing. I said, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Jehovah Jireh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't care how you do it. Now, see, that was a miracle in itself. If he would have given us $400, that would have been a miracle, and we'd have paid it. But he worked even a greater miracle by having them say, we're just going to forget it. Oh, praise God. That doesn't ever happen. You see, that's what we believe. That's what you do. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22, it says, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Put off the old self. Put off your old way of thinking. Put on the new self. Put on Christ and get this mind of Christ and what his word says. Align with his word and believe it and begin to live it. Let that be your present reality. Preach it, Pastor Paul. <laughs> I'll encourage myself here. <laughs> David said he had to encourage himself. Preach it, Pastor Paul. Come on, preach it. <laughs> truth, believing it. The truth is that as a result of wrong belief, our lives become unmanageable. Now, if you're a 12-step person, isn't that how it starts out? Isn't that step one? Because of what you, because of wrong believing and whatever you've adopted now is this habit, this thing is now your life becomes unmanageable. You can't handle it. You've got to have something else to help you. And that's where we get, that's where Satan wants to lead every one of us. Not just alcoholics or drug addicts, but every one of us. Because, because of wrong believing, our life becomes unmanageable. Because how can you manage your life over here on something that's sinking sand? i got to be on the rock, the solid rock, Christ Jesus. i got to be on the truth upon this foundation. And if that's done, then this is going to be my reality. I'm going to put my truth over here, my foundation, and I'm going to stand on it because I know that he'll hold me in the midst of that situation. you got to believe what's true about God, not what's true about over here. God can change the winds and the waves he can change the molecular structure. I can walk on water. Isn't that amazing? I mean, look what God can do. So I got to believe the truth about God, not just try to think, well, I just want to do all these old. No, if you just believe God, then whatever it is, you see, whatever it is, he can handle those particular things. And we got to believe that, you know what? As they say in, in their, the 12 steps, you got to believe in a power greater than yourself that that can bring about restoration and true peace and sanctity. Well, yeah, that's the way it has to be in our life. We've got to believe in a God that's above the natural. I've got to believe in a supernatural who can change the natural. Do you believe that? 
then you see whatever in your life seems to be unmanageable, whether it's relationships or finances or health or whatever it is, if it seems to be unmanageable, you can't handle it. You can't, you don't have any solution for it. Nobody has a solution for it. Then I'm going to step back in over here where God can do all things are possible to them that believe. Amen. Preach it, Pastor Paul. <laughs> And John says, these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life. You may have Zoe. You may have this abounding, supernatural life that that is not limited. Wow. You got to believe what's true about yourself. You could believe what's true about God, but you got to believe what's true about yourself. Who are you? You're a child of God. You are a child of God, first and foremost. In Him we live and have our, movie, our, our being. You know, we're seated in the heavenlies. We're just here. We're just passing through. So if something needs to change here, it can change to line up. Whatever I bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever I loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Do we believe those things? You have to express your believing then through faith, and this faith then locks in with believing and with hope, with expectation, and people then, you become unstoppable in Christ. That's where we need to be. So what's the reward for all this? The reward is this life, this overcoming life, this, this uh, abundant life that he says. The thief, Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you might have Zoe, might have life, and, and this Zoe, this eternal life, this life without bounds, have that life without bounds to the full. Have it more abundantly. Have it beyond measure is what that word means. Beyond measure, superior, advantageous. Do you have a superior life? Are you, do you look at yourself as, I've got the advantage here over everything. I've got the advantage here. How can I lose? How can I fail? I've got the... Let's try this over here. <laughs> How can I lose? How can... I've got the advantage. If you've got the advantage, if you've got the upper hand, if you know that you can't lose, you can't fail, what kind of attitude will you have? That's the way we need to live this life. Abundantly, beyond measure, super abundant, it says. Super abundant in, qual- in uh, quantity and superior in quality. Really? Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. If you can, if you can, all things. All things, beyond measure, abundantly, above all that you're able to ask or think, all things, supernatural, above the normal, all things are possible to him that believes. So the question this morning is, do you believe? Do you believe? So examine yourself today. Paul says, examine yourself, see if you be in the faith. I always thought about that. What? Okay, yeah, yeah, I'm saved. Now, examine yourself. Are you really in a... Do you believe? Do you really believe? When things hit you, you know what you need to do? You need to take a step back and say, wait a minute, okay, let's check this thing out now. Who am I? Oh, that's right. That's right. I'm a child of God. 
What can I do? Oh, oh, I can do all things. What do I have? Everything. Super abundantly. Above all, I'm able to ask for things. No, okay. Now then, problem? Get out of my way. Get out of my way. Get out of my way. I'm a child of God. I'm walking here. <laughs> I'm walking here. Get out of my way. You see, I got to go here. I got to go to this person that has a need. Get out of my way. When we would be doing certain things in ministry and you're going to minister, certain things happen. Vehicles break down and all kinds of stuff. Wait a minute. Devil, get out of my way. We're walking here. <laughs> we got someplace to go, something to do for Jesus. Now get out of my way. I don't go out looking for devils to fight. Now, some people get sidetracked. Satan will keep you over here fighting with you all the time. If that's all you want to do. Oh, I'm fighting the devil. I'm fighting the devil. Well, good for you. I'm ministering for Jesus. <laughs> well, you're fighting the devil. But let me tell you something. If he gets in my way, I'll slap the fat off of his face. They used to say, I'll jerk a knot on your head. How do you jerk a knot on somebody's head? I think he's slapping a knot on somebody's head. But why? I don't want to get sidetracked with him. Get out of my way. I don't have time to mess with you. Get out of my way because I'm going to minister for Jesus. Come on, let's pray this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, help us to catch this today. We can't afford to live in unbelief. We can't afford to dwell down here in the unbelief. In you, we live and move and have our being. We got to walk with you. Walk by faith, not by sight. So that when those things happen, Father, that we're believing and we know what you're able to do. We know what you're desiring us to do. Not if you can. But, Father, we thank you that all things are possible. You made all things possible now for us here right now greater things than what Jesus did we're to do let me ask you this question this morning just let the Holy Spirit begin to just deal with you this morning search yourself today what kind of life are you experiencing right now is it that light that Zoe life and is that to the full beyond measure superior advantageous. I'm not asking you if you got problems. Everybody's got problems. But when the problems come, do you know that in him you have the strength, the ability, you believe, you're unshakable in your belief that no matter what comes against you, that you're going to be victorious? God doesn't always wipe away the, the difficulties and the challenges. He allows them to come. Satan brings them to bring out the worst. God allows them to bring out the best. So that when they come, do you believe? Are you unshakable in that? That I ain't backing up, I ain't shutting up until I go up because I know that this isn't how this thing's going to end. We're going to get through this. Yeah, there's a, it can be a trial of your faith. It can be a battle. It can be something that's very severe, but the thing is, is you got to know in whom you believe. That's why Paul said, I know in whom I believe. And I'm persuaded God's able to keep me, to keep me safe.
against this day, against all this stuff that's coming again, to strengthen me. What do you need to trust God for this morning? What is it? Just put it out there. Bring it up. What do you need to trust God for this morning? Has your life become unmanageable? Maybe in your relationships or your emotions? Satan will pull you into anxiety and worry, which produces doubt. See, and those things replace prayer. Worry is just the opposite of prayer. You know, it's when you just begin to meditate upon something. You just turn it over and over and over again. Doubt replaces hope. Fear replaces faith. Where are you today? Is worry and doubt and fear working in an area of your life? I challenge you today to believe, to hold to his teachings and say, you know what? I'm going to pray. I'm going to expect. I'm going to believe. And I know my God, my God (laughs) will supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. All things are possible. So what is it that you need to trust God for? Trust him for it right now. Believe him. Believe right now that he is able to take care of this situation. You don't have to tell him how to do it, when to do it. Just trust him that he's going to do it. And then you walk. No matter, you know, well, there it is. And the devil keeps saying, well, see, it's still here. Huh? I don't care. God's taking care of it. I know he's going to handle it. He's handling it. I'm not worried about it. I'm already, I'm past this thing. I'm going on. I'm past this thing. See, he wants to get you to try to be distracted and see that it's still there or that it's still lingering. And he'll work fear or worry or doubt in your mind, huh? That's why you are looking unto Jesus, the author and the perfecter of my faith. I'm looking to Jesus. So will you believe today? And get your eyes upon him and say, God, I believe. I believe that you're taking care of it. I'm not going to doubt about it. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not even going to look at that thing. I'm giving it to you. I trust in you right now. If you're doing it, just raise your hand to him and say, I'm doing it. I'm placing it in his hands right now. Amen. 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 Father, I thank you for it. We're in agreement. We believe for this now, Father, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. When it happens, you write it down and you give it to me so I can rejoice with you. So we can share those things. That's what we're to do. Let me ask you this this morning. It starts by believing that he is the son of God. Do you believe that? Have you received Jesus as your Lord and Savior? If you don't know that today, if, you haven't, if you're not sure today that you've ever accepted Christ as your Savior who paid the price for your sin, if you're not sure about eternity, if there are question marks about eternity, why don't you just raise your hand? Nobody looking around, but just... Raise your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me because I'm not sure. Man, I wish we had all these empty chairs filled with people today that could raise their hand to get saved. Wouldn't that be awesome? You think that revival would start? (laughs) Amen. If you know somebody that needs Christ, I want you to get them as a target, as a prayer target right now and begin to pray for them. Pray that somehow God will give you the opportunity or somebody the opportunity to come into their path that they might hear the good news and be saved. People, we need to have a passion for souls. We need to have a passion for souls. Passion for the lost. That's what it's all about. Winning the lost, developing the saved. Right? That's what we're here for. That's what like Christian Center is all about. Winning the lost, 
developing the saved. Now, it didn't happen this morning, but that's okay because you're getting ready to walk out these doors and you're going to enter into the world and into a lot of people that don't believe. So here's your opportunity. Win the lost. Win the lost. Every day you get up and say, Lord, lead me into the path of somebody today that I can lead to you or that I can pray with, that I can believe with, that we can see miracles happen. Let's let it happen in our lives. When it begins to happen in our everyday lives, we don't have to worry about these chairs filling up. You see? People don't have just... Sinners don't wake up on Sunday morning and say, oh, you know what? i got this overwhelming desire to go to church. No, they do if, if something's stirring in their life. Maybe you invited them, you know, maybe they might get here. But boy, when things start to happen out there, they're like, I can't wait to get to church. I can't wait to get to church. Change their life. Say, here I am, Lord, send me. Send me to them. Let it happen at work. Let it happen in the grocery store, at the gas pump, <laughs> at Little League. Wherever you are, wherever you go, you're going into all the world now. Every one of us are going into a, par- a portion of the world that we all live in. And we have an opportunity right now to be light that dispels darkness and to be able to come into other people's lives where they live and then to experience, to, to show them who Christ is in us. That's the greatest opportunity that we have. That's the challenge before us. Go as believers because it'll change your confidence, it changes your attitude, and people see that in you. Amen. Are you ready to go out and change the world today? Let's stand this morning. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. I believe that I believe things are going to happen. I believe some things change this morning when you set your spirit to believe, it already set it in motion. Things are happening. It's already being aligned, changed in the spiritual realm. Amen. It's already happening. So it'll be manifest. Don't worry about the manifestation. It's already happening. Amen. You believe that? Father, we thank you today for your goodness. Thank you for your word. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your anointing today. Thank you for giving us the spirit of wisdom and and revelation that we can understand your word. Now help us to put it into practice in our life. We want to be believers things change. Lord, we need to be connected to you, knowing your will, your way, so that that begins to take place. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, we need to be so connected with you that that declaration literally changes things and your kingdom advances. That's who you want us to be. That's our responsibility. That's what we're going to be held accountable for. So, Father, we thank you that you're going to give us direction, and you, Holy Spirit, you will enable us to do it now. We believe that in Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. 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 Shake somebody's hand and hug their neck today. Let them know you're glad to be in the house of the Lord with them today. Hallelujah.